This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The young shining cuckoo is fed by its foster parents on insects and spiders. But the korimako, or bellbird, has a much more interesting diet of nectar. It's been something of a radio personality and has sung on shortwave radio to Australia and the Pacific nations for 30 years. However, the early recordings failed to reflect the versatility of the bellbird, with its wide variety of liquid notes and artistically placed clicks and bell-like sounds. It's not surprising that Maori mythology describes Korimako, the bellbird, as the messenger of Tane, sent to herald the coming of the sun. Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society. Community or chaos, made possible by support from the Peace and Disarmament Education Trust. Good day, friends. Today we're talking with Scott Cook, a Canadian uh, folk singer and troubadour from Edmonton, Canada. And he's a roots balladeer with rare warmth. And he tells his his songs become stories from uh, Canada, USA, Europe, and Asia, and other places. The uh, first thing I'm going to do is... Um, Mentioned that you can podcast this program by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and going to community chaos. Sorry about that. Yes. Oh, um, first, can you just tell a little bit about yourself and then I'll, well, actually, I've mentioned you, so I'm going to play further down the line, which is, has, uh, I suspect, autobiographical parts to it as most songs and stories that we compose do. Aren't some people just famous for being famous? Isn't that about all that they do? Couldn't the radio leave you feeling aimless Just a nameless person like you But I sure heard the words Woody Guthrie sang Even when they didn't quite rhyme He knew the heart was the stuff They'd be close enough further down the line I've painted houses mopped floors and washed dishes taught kids cut grass and moved gear swung hammer cleaned toilets and dug ditches and I even sang songs to sell beer but it was all for someone else's dream I set out after mine Said take this hammer Take it to the captain Tell him I'm further down the line I crossed the Fraser 
the Columbia, the Mississippi, the Allegheny and the Ohio, St. Lawrence, Susquehanna, Chattahoochee, the Hudson and the Colorado. I saw the big rig sleeping in the starry desert, saw the snow piled around the Yukon Pine. But I couldn't hang around too long in New York town without looking further down the line. Some of the joints in New Orleans ain't pretty, but the waitresses will call you hun, and a cop will stay on the white side of the city. Cause they paid for his hat and his gun And there's a Gulf War vet by the overpass Who says, bro, can you spare a dime? Who's he kidding? These days a dollar won't be getting you any further Down the line, boy I saw the stars and bars flying in Dixie And doomsday prophets on Capitol Hill I saw a fast food mall named after Walt Whitman And Gettysburg ghosts wandering still If our families are so broken How do we make a family out of humanity? We still got promises to break and miles to go before we wake further down the line. I saw the homeless and the houses sitting empty. I heard the explanations of learned men. Nowadays they'll rob you with the Cause it's faster than a fountain pen And if smarter people haven't found a gap in the armor Why do I keep trying? I still believe there's a world dying to be born Further down the line, friends Further down the line Been searching all the faces for signs As you know, love's hard to keep together As the miles and the years unwind And you never run out of black top No, you just run out of time That ribbon of songs keeps on winding along Ever further down the line That ribbon of songs keeps on winding along Ever further down the line 
Oh, friends, as I was saying, we're talking with uh, Scott Cook, a Canadian folk singer and troubadour, and we just played further down the line, a tribute to uh, folk balladeers such as Woody Guthrie and others. And is this slightly autobiographical? Can you talk about uh, further down the line? Yeah, sure thing. It's completely autobiographical. Um, I uh, I quit my job. Um, te- my, the last, you know, <laughs> the last straight job I had was uh, teaching kindergarten over in Taiwan. Um, and I quit that in uh, 2007 and uh, moved into a van and uh, went out on the road uh, trying to make a living as a folk singer. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, definitely had a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes uh, in, in the early days of it, um, including spending way too much of my time singing songs in bars for people who weren't really there to listen to them. Um, but uh, it's gradually become better and more fulfilling over the years. And, uh, and uh, yeah, during that time, Woody Guthrie has really been a, a lighthouse for me. And uh, so I wrote that song uh, with a bunch of nods to his work in it, and uh, quotes as well. Oh, well, I grew up, Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, and Joan Baez, were, I really liked them a lot when mm. I was young. I still like them a lot, actually. Mm. Well, um, what motivated you to become a... a to write songs and become a performer? Um, I think I was, I think writing songs came naturally. Um, it seems to come naturally to lots of little kids, actually. I, uh, you know, it seems to be something that, that plenty of little kids do, and then uh, everybody, or most everybody, stops doing at some point along the way. Um, so that was always a thing that I was interested in. Uh, different kinds of songs over the years, um, particularly particularly hip-hop, I guess, in the early days. Um, and I mean real early days, like when I was 12. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as being a performer, um, I started playing, uh, playing bass in, in a punk rock band with my buddies in high school. And, uh, and that was just a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I was never really any good at sports. That felt like the first thing that, that was, you know, satisfyingly um, interesting for me. And, uh, yeah, and then just kept with that over the years, playing in different kind of projects with, with different friends. Um, but singing my own songs and doing the folk singing thing, uh, I really got started that while I was living in Taiwan. Um and yeah, I started playing solo shows there as well as as well as with the band, um, doing my own songs and uh and songs of a of a buddy who was in the band. And um yeah, during that time uh I would go home to Canada in the summer and uh go to folk festivals. I have a long love of folk festivals since I first discovered them at about probably age nineteen. Um, and yeah, I started thinking maybe I could, I could do this, um, for a living. Um, you know, after, after cobbling together a few little tours that were, um, 
financially disastrous. Um, I just, I thought, I thought maybe I should give this a go, you know. Um, I've been a kindergarten teacher for six years. And uh, while I loved it, it didn't really feel like a like a personal calling, you know. It didn't feel like my vocation. Um, and singing felt like it might be. And uh, I just thought if I didn't give it a try, um, I would probably live with the regret or at least the wonder of, you know, what if I had tried that? Um, so, yeah. So eventually I just thought I'll just go for it. And... Um, yeah, as I said, it was a real steep learning curve, but uh, eventually, eventually it got good. Um, and a big part of that was people uh, inviting me to, to sing in their houses, uh, house concerts, you know, in, in living rooms and yards and and um, other kind of unique spaces where people are actually there to listen to the songs. Okay, why did you start in uh, Taiwan? Oh, just kind of on a whim, actually. I, I, I'd been um, studying philosophy. I was just uh, finished uh, my undergrad degree in philosophy, and uh, I was thinking I was going to go on um, to to a doctorate and become a become a professor. That was kind of the the path I had in mind for a long time. Um, and then uh, I went with some friends to Costa Rica in two thousand uh, and. Uh, just for like two months, and uh, I'd never been anywhere like that, and it really blew my mind. Um, and uh, I just I got to thinking that you know I, I I really don't know anything about the world, um, and I wanted to see more of it uh, before going back to school. I've had a um, so spot. yeah. As it turned out, I, I I never went back to school, but uh, <laughs> um, some friends had just come back from Taiwan, and they told me that. You could make good money, and the cost of living was low uh, over there teaching English. And uh, all you needed was an undergrad degree to do it legally. Um, so I just thought I'd give it a shot. You know, I, I, I kind of expected I'd be there for six months or so. Um, but I fell in love with it and uh, made a lot of really good friends. And uh, as I said, started playing in some bands and getting involved in various projects and uh, just didn't want to leave. I've got a soft spot for Taiwan myself. I've never been there. But we had a couple of woofers, um, people who work on your garden or farm. Yeah. And stay at your house. And they were from Taiwan. We kept in touch with each other by email and phone for years. And he mm. was, they were both educationists, and he was particularly interested in educating people in the very rural mountainous districts. Wow. Oh, that's uh, really cool. He had a real social conscience. And so... Yeah. <clears throat> I've got a soft spot for Taiwan. Taiwanese people are wonderful. And uh, and also, yeah, the island itself is incredibly beautiful. Okay. Should we play... Um, oh, say, can you see next? That's a bit different. I love this country. Love the people and the land, but there's a lot of stuff happening that I can't understand. We got billions for bailouts, we got trillions for wars, but it's hard for working people 
to make a living anymore. Hear me out for a second. This ain't a partisan song. It ain't about right and left. It's about right and wrong. We're fighting over the scraps while a few are living like kings. Cause screwing us over is a bipartisan thing. And it's working people who made this country great. Not the greedy opportunists or the peddlers of actually born in the States and uh, my family 
moved up to Canada when I was young, um, but the rest of the family still lives stateside, and uh, uh, most of them are in Michigan. And, uh, yeah, we really don't see eye to eye uh, politically, <laughs> I should say, with a lot of people in my family, not all of them, but... Um, but they're they're great people. They're really they're really uh, big-hearted, um, generous people. And uh, I kind of um, I kind of uh, I wanted to say something, you know, about the the I wanted to say something to sort of counter the 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 general uh, note of despair that I was hearing from so many Americans. Uh, after Trump won, um, that suddenly uh, they felt like the country had, you know, been taken over by a, um, you know, brain dead white supremacist or something. Um, because yeah, I, I felt like there's there's plenty of people I love who voted for him, um, and for a, a real variety of reasons. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I think working people have been um, taken for granted uh, and and uh, and robbed, uh, plainly, really by by the elites in, the, in that country and also around the world for a long time. And uh, I wanted to speak to that. Uh, that disturbs me actually that we often see people, ordinary people, in black and white, and. Um, for instance, when Clinton was running for president, she called the people that weren't voting for her deplorable. And it seemed mm-hmm. to me that said all so much about the intellectual left, the mm-hmm. the group that I'm part of in some ways. So I'm working class in origin, and I have never forgotten that. Mm-hmm. I mean, many many places, many counties that swung. Yeah, I know many of the people that voted for Obama voted for um, Trump. And you've got to ask yourself why in the English-speaking world so many average people have, in one way or the other, revolted. And sort of Mm -hmm. revolted on the the right instead of the left. And you've got to ask where what's gone wrong and why aren't these people why are they alienated and why aren't they represented politically yeah uh, i i feel like that kind of uh self-searching um would have would have been beneficial to the democrats uh <laughs> would have been more beneficial than finger pointing and you know, just assuming that everyone uh voted for him cuz they're racist well, it's an excuse when you do that. When you say they're racist, well, then you don't have to talk about the problem. You don't have to talk about why uh, you didn't get more support because you're just mm-hmm. dealing with deplorable racists. Mm-hmm. It also, yeah, it concerns me that um, if you look at the political parties on both sides, you on one side you've got business elites often supporting right-wing economic parties, and you on the, the left, you've got intellectual elites who have a sort of arrogance and contempt for people who don't agree with them and for working mm. people in general. 
Uh, as a Canadian, how do you feel about all this? Um, I would say that all the same forces are at play in Canada. Um, the goalposts are in a different place. Um, you know, Canada, Canadian culture is different. Our politics tends to be more polite. Um, people are used to having universal health care and take that for granted. Um, so, you know, the, it's a different, it's a different playing field, but it's all, it's all the same forces at play. Um, there's a rising kind of populist right in, uh, in Canada. Um, there's also a, a, a more populist left, uh, in Canada, but they're, they're not in government at the moment. Um, the centrist, uh, party that's currently in government, um, did a similar thing, uh, to the, the basket of deplorables comment, you know, there was, a. uh, uh, it was so-called Freedom Convoy uh, occupying Ottawa, um, mostly in opposition to COVID measures. And uh, rather than, I think, I think rather than build the case for those measures, um, the the Prime Minister kind of took took some pretty authoritarian steps, like uh, seizing, you know, locking up and seizing funds, uh, locking up people's bank accounts. Um, and, and just tarring everyone with the same brush, you know, uh, that they were a, a minority, a fringe minority with unacceptable views. Um, those were his words. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I would certainly grant that there were white supremacists and, you know, the usual sort of proto-fascist suspects, uh, involved in that whole thing. But I wouldn't think that that was the bulk of them. Um, and, you know, those people protesting COVID restrictions really did have the support of, I would say, most rural Canadians. Um, and, and for him to just write them off uh, like that, I think, had, had a similar effect um, to, to Clinton's sort of, um, you know, uh, dismissal of, of, of a whole group. You know, uh, the thing that really, really bugged me about the Democratic Party, they had a choice because they had this Bernie Sanders who people were listening to. And I'm convinced that the, the people who contributed money to the Democratic Party and many of the people who ran the Democratic Party, I'm not talking about Democrats generally, mm-hmm. were in their own mind, they made a choice not between Clinton and and Trump, but between uh, Bernie Sanders and Trump, and yep. probably they didn't know how bad Bernie San- how bad Trump would be. But I had a feeling that many of them would rather have had Trump until they got him than Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders was a, a social democrat. Yeah, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent I think I think they would have rather had Trump than Sanders. Um, I guess I guess actually the, the only thing I I would uh, qualify that. I'm not sure that they regretted that decision. <laughs> I mean, um, in, in many ways, Trump was, uh, in many ways, it was business as usual. Um, he, you know, he was, a, he was, he was, a, yeah, he was maybe I'm being a bit too easy on public. 
you know, okay. in, in the way that he in the way that he talked and everything. But um, you know, as far as you know, as far as uh, the interests of the elites are concerned, I think in many ways it was business as usual, and he sure cut uh, everybody a fat tax break um, right at the beginning of his term, um, okay. and that was probably the main thing that you know. Well, um, let's have another song. <laughs> Would you like uh, let's let love have its way? Would that be what you'd like to hear? Sure. Okay. Can you talk about let's have let's love have its way? Why did you write it, and what's it say? Um. Let love have its way came out of. Um, a lot of fear uh, for me about about the future and uh, um, you know the, the the way things are going and the way um, our society, I guess, seems to be pulled increasingly in the direction of like um, uh, militarization or you know um, increased incarceration, um, you know, increasingly divided into the haves and the have-nots, and just thinking about um, the changes that are undoubtedly coming uh, as, a result of climate, you know, as a result of climate change and, and uh, all the upheavals we're going to see. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I, I often feel like I'm uh, nearly powerless uh, you know, as one person in terms of, you know, affecting the drift of things. Um, but I also, I, I believe that there's always, there's always a personal choice in how we respond to things and whether we respond uh, out of fear or out of love. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the gist of that song, is that, uh, um, yeah, big changes are coming. Um, but um, I'm anchoring my hope in in love, uh, and and in the, that's at least something that I can always choose for myself. In some ways, New Zealand's had a a prime minister who tried to act kindly in crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, not a perfect prime minister by any means. Who's perfect? But. Uh, when the crisis came, particularly in the Christchurch massacre, she handled it in a very positive, kind way, and it it benefited the country. That mm-hmm. attitude. Can you? Um, how do we focus on love, and how do we share it in a way that gives people hope? Is that part of what your singing does? That's what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, I, I think I think songs have the power to to open people's heart and uh, occasionally to open people's minds. Um, I know they did that for me, um, and that's why I believe that they can do it. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's it's a real small part of the of the overall picture, but I I think uh, singing is uh, is is worthwhile for that reason. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really think, um, if we're to turn this whole thing around, um, we're gonna need a lot 
bigger love. Uh, we're gonna need we're gonna need people to uh, feel solidarity with with uh, people around the world who are not like them, and um, and yeah, that's that's something that's got to start in the heart. And uh, yeah, there's uh, you know there are so many ways to work toward that. And I think singing is just one one small way, but uh, that's that's the way I've chosen, and uh, and it feels worthwhile for me. Well, tell us about the next song, What to Keep. Going through old boxes, getting rid of things Feels kind of like a party Found an old journal where I'd written my dreams Suddenly I wonder why I'm crying And I'm wondering if I'm anything Like that bright-eyed boy out of mine And what to keep, what to leave Everything just blows by in the open air Forever young, living for the chase But life sat me down for a long, hard stare At what had me running in the first place And parts of me I refused fear of just what I might find of what to keep what to leave I dreamed I built a raft across a river and it took me to 
Going through old boxes, getting rid of things. What to Keep was uh, the first song, I think, uh, that was written of that whole batch of songs. Um, and it kind of, it, 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 it's, it's both personal and political. Um, I went through a health crisis in uh, late 2017. Um, I had pancreatitis from uh, drinking too much and partying too hard. And uh, that landed me in the hospital for a little bit. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I was running back out on the road because I had already had you know, tours planned and everything. Uh, and airline tickets bought and, and all that. Um, but it was, a, it was a scary time in my life because I wasn't sure yet if I was going to get better. Um, I, I didn't drink at all for a year and that was a major, um, reorientation in my life. Um, just, uh, kind of trying to clarify the reasons that I was doing this, uh, for a living, um, because, yeah, earlier on, I was, you know, partying was always a big part of it. And uh, um, and self-medicating kind of allowed me to, um, to not ask some big questions, I guess. Um, so, yeah, touring clean um, really, really raised all those questions for me. And... Uh, and and raised a lot of questions just looking back at my life uh, in terms of what was worth keeping and what stuff I wanted to leave behind. And, uh, you know, drinking as a social crutch uh, was was such a thing that uh, maybe it served me once, but uh, it, it sure it sure had outlived its, its usefulness for me. And, um, yeah, and then in the last verse, that song kind of broadened perspective talk about uh, taking down statues and uh, questioning our old ways as a culture. And that's really what Tangle of Souls uh, as an album is about, is, is, uh, and as a book is about, is um, these, this personal kind of uh, journey through getting sick and reevaluating some of my own life choices. Um, and comparing it to this bigger question, uh, which is, you know, I, I guess I could see an analogy between the the way that addiction works um, in that, you know, you can know full well, you can be told by doctors and everything that this is not good for you and it can kill you. Uh, but you, you know, uh, an, an addict will continue to uh, justify or um, ignore or, or, uh, you know, um, uh, rationalize their own behavior, um, because they want to keep doing what they're doing. And, um, I guess in the bigger picture, I could see the way in which we as a species, or at least as a culture, our culture, uh, uh, seem to be doing a similar thing, you know, although we've been told by most scientists that the way we're living is unsustainable and can't, can't continue indefinitely. Um, we're like, we're like an addict in that way that we want to, um, negotiate for another fix. And, um, yeah, that, 
that those bigger questions, I guess, um, in, in, um, you know, personally for me, there, it, it involved a lot of kind of shadow work, uh, in the sense of what is this part of me that, uh, you know, that, that wants different things from, from the, the, the things I profess, you know, um, that wants, that seems to have some kind of death wish actually. Um, and, and I think probably there's, there's some shadow work ahead for us as a, as a, as a culture as well. Um, because, you know, looking at my own country, um, or countries, I guess I come from both America and Canada, but, um, there's, there's a lot of darkness in the history that, um, that kind of belies the, our favorite self image. Um, and there's a lot to be unpacked there and it's all tangled up together. And, um, in that, you know, that process, uh, of personal change and leaving behind things that don't serve you anymore, um, involves some pruning and that, and that hurts because those, you know, all, all, all the, all the parts of your life are parts of your life. Uh, everything that's in your life, it's there because you loved it at one time. And, uh, and I feel like there's probably a lot of pain involved in the in in the greater societal process of coming to terms with our history and uh, and and kind of forging a new way forward. Also, have to come to terms with our what, present. What we want to keep and what we want to leave behind, and uh, um, yeah, and maybe the 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 pain is uh, what what uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> drive so many of us to ignore that work. Um, but I feel like it's work that needs to be done. You know, in some ways, I'm more optimistic and less optimistic than you, because I've been political for most of my life, and sometimes I jokingly call myself the master of lost causes. That's pessimistic, <laughs> but also. I know that historically there have been many times in history when we've been much more peaceful and cooperative that we aren't set to be competitive and aggressive. It's um, the, Our culture has a huge influence on us, and we have choices, so we can take different roads. That we're not stuck with being uh, aggressive and competitive or having more and more things in growth that there are the way yeah, of living. I, yeah, we've, we've just, we've just fed this, this one, you know, for, for such a long time. We've, uh, yeah. we've, we, we've put the focus on, on competition and, uh, and, um, yeah. And, and, and lionized the winners and, um, you know, and pretended that, uh, that it's a meritocracy and that, you know, uh, the people who get ahead are do so because they're the smartest and everyone else would do well to emulate them. Um, yeah, I feel like all that stuff has, has had a really corrosive effect over time on our, on our moral sense. Um, but, but I agree. It's not, it's not the only way of living. It's not the only way humans have lived. It's not, it's not, it's not the, the state of nature. Um, you know, I think quite often, that's the thing about like foundational myths, like our myth of this free market, uh, 
is that they try to present themselves as being the way things always have been and must be. You've, um, your beliefs affect your songs and your writing, but do the songs that you hear and the songs you uh, sing affect your vision as well as vice versa? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, certainly, uh, certainly other people's songs have, have, have helped shape my beliefs. Um, things that resonated with me that I heard in song that I maybe wasn't ready to say myself. Uh, or you know, didn't didn't know that I that I thought that way until I heard someone say it. Um, punk rock was a was a big early influence on me in that regard. Um, and uh, yeah, and Woody Guthrie and uh, Greg Brown and many of the other singers I've admired over the years um, have done that for me. Um, as far as my own songs, uh, I think <laughs> I think a lot of times songs kind of serve like a like a place to put um, ideas, uh, a place to put whatever wisdom you might stumble onto in the course of your life. Because uh, um, I guess, I guess, what I mean to say is, like, I think my songs are wiser than I am, actually, um, in the sense that I don't always act in the ways that you know um, that that the insights that inform the songs might might suggest. Um, and yeah, lots of times my own songs have, have kind of haunted me because I said something, uh, in them that I believe is true and I don't always live according Mm. to those truths. So, so yeah, songs are are a good place to put, uh, your best insights and, uh, and keep them around, you know. Are songs uh, like poetry? Do you have to write them? Sometimes you have to. What do you mean? I mean, you sometimes you write a poem, not because they say I'm going to go sit down and write a poem. Or some people do, but sometimes you write a poem because you just have to write it. It comes to you, and you have to put it out there. Yeah, yeah. sounds like that. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know in 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 my process lately i i have been writing really uh in a in a more disciplined way where i where i uh i'm trying to put out a song a month for my patreon page and uh as a matter of fact today is is, is the day because uh, it's still the 28th back home that i'll be finishing <laughs> uh february's song um but uh uh yeah so I, I, I do kind of come at it from a more, I guess, workmanlike uh, perspective than I used to um, when I just kind of stumbled into songs. Um, but I do think, yeah, I, I think I think songs are often a way that your unconscious can tell you something that it wants to tell you that that your conscious isn't uh, necessarily ready to say. Um, so. There have been songs that came through me that I really didn't want to sing when 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 they showed up. You know that I, I felt like, wow, what, what will people think of me if uh, they hear me sing that? Um, and yeah, I, I, I think there's there's sometimes there's something that wants to come through, and, uh, and songs are a way 
opening yourself up to a song is, is a way to, to open the door to that. Okay. I think we're headed toward the, uh, the end of our session. If we go. But you must have a sense of hope to keep singing and keep coming up with new songs and so on. Where does that hope come from? Um, in part, it's a choice uh, because I feel like there's there's always, you know, I, I always hear about a ton of things that incline me toward despair, and I always meet a bunch of people and hear their stories that incline me toward optimism about the future. Um, so, you know, not really knowing what way things are going to go, um, I think it's, uh, I have a choice, uh, you know, whether whether to focus on the pessimism or, or on the optimism, and um, and uh, I think focusing on the optimism serves my life better, and uh, and also it increases the chances that uh, uh, that our our way of life will survive in, in some meaningful way um, if everyone uh, if everyone thinks we have a chance. Uh, we might stand a chance, and, and if everyone thinks we don't, we we, we won't stand a chance. Um, but also, yeah, I, I think um, from looking at history, um, I tend to I tend to gather hope from reading about the stuff that people went through in the past, um, because yeah, people had it way harder, and people faced way more tyrannical opposition than what we face now. Um, and, and, you know, those people, um, who, who really, who, who really fought the foundational struggles for basic rights, um, and often never lived, didn't live to see the, the, their dreams realized, um, uh, still did it and, and, and still, you know, still, still fought for what they thought was right. And, um. Yeah, reading about those people uh, really puts my own problems in perspective. Okay, thanks a lot, uh, Scott Cook, for being on and for sharing your wisdom and your songs. Thanks a lot for the chat, Marvin, and thanks for all you do. This guitar came from a timber, from the body of a tree, through the workshop of a luthier. Now it's all alone to me, and it's good company after dinner, and it fits my hands just fine. But someday another singer, with a pair of hands like mine, will coax out songs much prettier, still hiding in its strings. Things stronger, braver words than I could ever say And folks are gonna love it Of this I'm almost sure So I take good care of it Cause I'm borrowing it from her Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone Carry it for a moment Time won't loan it to you for long You don't own it Pass it along 
This here is my country Sometimes it's hard to recognize it But I count myself lucky To have been born inside it And I'm grateful for the rights Others struggle hard to win And you can be sure I'm gonna fight When they try and take them back again Oh, and everywhere teachers Though some fell along the way The words they said still reach us Just like you're teaching me here today And you may not speak it loud But it's clear in what you do And I hope to make you proud Cause I borrowed it from you Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone You carry it for a moment Time won't loan it to you for long You don't own it Pass it along left to use putting patents on discovery making seeds that don't reproduce if our vision is so narrow seeing only bought and sold we'll end up like the pharaohs buried with their gold we've all pushed this thing along we've all been guided by our fear but the river sings a song we've gotta be quieter to hear It's in every child's face New and hopeful as a stem Best be gentle with this place Cause we're borrowing it from them Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone You carry it for a moment Time won't loan it to you for long You don't own it Pass it long, pass it long, pass it long. May it land in careful hands when we're gone. You carry it for a moment, time won't loan it to you for long. You don't own it, pass it long. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.